Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, before we jump into what should be a fun show today with our guy Henry Chisholm, want to give a shout out to Saturday Neon where you can use uh, the code DNVR for 10% off what might be one of the best possible Christmas gifts. Saturday Neon uh, designs and manufactures officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs, just like the one you saw on our basketball preview show, if you tuned into that for the Buffs. Or, of course, there was a Rams one, but this is a company that was created by two Buffs uh, who were former college roommates, uh, which is Pretty, pretty cool. Obviously, it uh, means a lot to me to support fellow buffs. Uh, and you can get free shipping again. So use that code DNVR10. You got to go check out this website because these signs are incredible. Or again, you can check out our basketball preview shows just to see how cool these things are. But again, sorry, not code DNVR10, just the code DNVR, and you will get 10% off from Saturday Neon. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver is the place to go if you're looking to further your education uh, and do it online, of course. And you can work uh, a full-time job while you do it there. MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So make sure you check out MSU Denver for all of your online education needs and hopefully you can use that education to get an even better full-time job on the other side of this thing. So, again, check out msudenver.edu slash online. Like I said, off the top, we've got our guy Henry Chisholm here today. Henry, how are you doing? I'm doing great, um, mostly because I haven't thought about the Broncos in like three or four days until oh, right now. Great no. to get back into this mindset. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, <laughs> if it helps... Uh, we're going to talk about hopeful things mm-hmm. on this show. Obviously, if you guys don't know Henry, I don't know what's wrong with you, but mm-hmm. uh, Henry is officially uh, our Buffs reporter here at DNVR, uh, which means he has a close eye on college football. He's also on the tailgate every Sunday, so you should probably know him from there. 
but because we have you here and you're also a draft uh, on our draft pod, Henry does a lot of things. I do do um, a lot of things. So I figured what better time to really dive in to this 2022 quarterback class because it's not something that me, Mace, or Zach have really fully uh, dove into yet. Um, I've wa- I've tried to get at least one live game of most of these guys, so I have a little bit of an idea, but you're a lot more in tune to this stuff, so I, I just wanted to, uh, to get your thoughts on this class. A lot of people talking, uh, you know, the other day I had a bunch of people message me, like, you're not talking enough about Matt Corral, then I've got other people saying, you're not talking mm-hmm. enough about Kenny Pickett, uh, so I want to see where you fall on this, and, well, I, I, let's start here. Give me your thoughts on this quarterback class as a whole, and then eventually I'm going to ask you to rank the quarterbacks as you see it now. It's a uh, there's some depth. I will say that that's the positive spin here. Um, there isn't like a clear cut top of the board at this point. You know, you could say Matt Corral's at the top. You could say Kenny Pickett's there. You could make a case for Sam Howell even, Malik Willis. There's a bunch of guys who could wind up being the first quarterback that goes off the board. It isn't like last year where, you know, you have Trevor Lawrence and you know for two, three years that he's going to be the first quarterback. And then you know that there's some of these other guys who are going to be right there. And the good news is we're still... We're still months away from the draft. We, we get to see what happens in these last couple of weeks of the college football season, what happens in the college football playoff, and then all the stuff in the, in the draft buildup with the Senior Bowl and you know the, the Combine. And who knows? Maybe a couple of these guys will really separate themselves. But as of right now, and I've said this a bunch on the draft podcast, I really don't have, you know, maybe it's one through six, one through seven. There just isn't that big of a difference between these guys. And, you know, it kind of sucks if you're in the Broncos situation and you want to take a quarterback in the first round. Good news is if you take take best player available in the first round, you're going to get one of these guys who's probably just as good as any of the others in the second round. And I have a feeling the fans wouldn't like seeing that, but I I think that value-wise, that's probably the right move at this point. Interesting, interesting. Okay, let's get into your rankings uh how many guys do you want to rank here five um sure okay we'll go let's five go. and then maybe there'll be like a couple honorable mentions or something okay so let's start at five, or do you want to start at honorable mentions Ooh. or do you need to see who your five is you need to talk through your five i think we need to talk the through the five let's start okay, at the let's, top here well let's start no no let's start backwards okay i want you to start at who's fifth right now on your quarterback board I'll go Sam Howell. Ooh, okay. And now, this and is again, a guy who uh, our listeners have heard a lot about over the years. Of course, Mace, a North Carolina football fan, uh, really, really liked Sam Howell last season. Um, now, I think our listeners have also noticed that Mace has cooled down a little bit <laughs> on Sam Howell this year. Um, but I'm interested to, to see your perspective what changed between last year when it was kind of he was being thrown around as, oh, this guy's going to be the number one quarterback next year to today? I think there's – his thing is that he he makes a lot of great throws. And you see it and you say, wow, that was that was incredible. This year, first of all, he hasn't made as many of those. And he's also made a bunch of mistakes, particularly early in the year. And the other thing that you look at – 
is just the fact that the team isn't all that successful. And you wonder how much, you know, I think he gets compared to Baker Mayfield a lot. And we've seen with Baker, the Browns win a lot of games when they have two running backs who are just pounding the rock and it's opening up the play action and, and he's able to throw downfield. Last year, he has Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Also, Diami Brown playing receiver on the outside, who I think was like a second round pick last year. And I don't think he gets enough credit for his part of the offense. But when it's just him alone, which it basically is this year, it hasn't looked all that great. You know, he's a little bit undersized. Um, actually a good athlete. We had the big discussion about that in the DMVR Madden League chat. But I think before this last game, he had three of the last four. He'd run for at least 100 yards. But a lot of it is just like volume running. And they're just trying to find ways to stay in games. And it takes that kind of that kind of work. Um, some really great throws. But also a lot of throws that, eh, it's right. just not there. The arm, maybe not the the biggest although he is still fairly accurate um yeah I, th I think that that's kind of where I'm at right now and not a bad quarterback but very similar it, all these quarterbacks have a flaw and for him it's just it, can can you manage a game down to down keep yourself in it or are you just a comeback guy right right do, do you think the Baker comparisons um, are more based on aesthetic or is there actually something there as quarterbacks? I think there's, I think both, I think both. I mean, he's undersized, but there's also the fact that, like I said, you know, he, he has a lot of comebacks that, that last game where he was playing Pittsburgh, um, with Kenny Pickett, that was a big one. Everybody was watching. And I went to the Avs game after the first quarter, UNC's down 14, zero. And I put a money line bet in on North Carolina. Cause you're just like, mm -hmm. this is, this is what Sam Howell does. And they take it to overtime and lose, but there's there's some of that too, and a lot of like right. you want to play him off a of play action, let him throw downfield, um, open things up for him so he can make those plays because he's good at putting the ball in the right spot down there. Like if, if he's throwing a jump ball, I think that that's kind of an art form that people don't realize. It's not just lob it up; it's play those angles, put your guy in position to, to make the play, and he's good at that sort of thing. It's just you know the, the you don't care compare him to Tom Brady, that's for sure. Right. Okay. So if he's last, last question on Sam Howell, if he's your fifth right now, where would you see him going? Is it, is it going to be five in the first round, even in a weaker class? No, I think so. Six of the last nine drafts, there have been three or fewer quarterbacks drafted. And I think that, that three is probably the number I throw out there right now. Um, the, the question just like toward the end of the draft, that that's really tough. The end of that first round, because sometimes teams will trade up and try to get that fifth-year option. Um, but I'd say there's probably three. I think there's cool. probably three. Okay, well, we'll move on here in a second. I have to say, again, limited scouting for me um, on these quarterbacks. My takeaway from Sam Howell is uh, either needs to sit or is not going to have a lot of fun as a rookie. That's fair. That's definitely fair. He's, I mean, he's like a street ball quarterback, not yeah. – not somebody, I mean, who's having the most success? Mac Jones is in the NFL with all these rookies. He's having the most success because he's just clinical and he takes what the defense gives him. That is not Sam Howell's game. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Mac kind of goes against the grain of what has been working for young quarterbacks recently, um, which is the number one reason I personally wasn't high on him. Um, but, you know, you we're really high on him because you were confident that he was going to be able to go and translate that skill set to the NFL. And you nailed that one. Um, 
<laughs> Henry's flexing on me. Um, <laughs> you know, but the my whole thing was the guys that have been succeeding are the Josh Allens, the, you know, even Lamar Jackson, the guys who can just go out there and say like, okay, well, while I figure out what the hell I'm looking at, I can just run around and make plays like that. Uh, and for Mac Jones, he just never had, he knew exactly what he was looking at the second that he got in there, which yep. is very rare. Uh, but he's all, it also has worked out better for him than any of those other guys, really. For sure. It is a weird thing where like, it, you're absolutely right. Like you just want the guy who can play well enough to not get benched. And a lot of the yes. time that means making up for deficiencies b- with your legs. But if I mean, it's Mac Jones with that Josh McDaniels offense, just yep. pick him apart underneath. He's still not hitting those deep balls though. And that's like his, his big trait. Like that's the reason you get him is because of the deep ball. And I, I guess I didn't watch last week and they put up a big number. So maybe there were some in there, but he also doesn't know. really have any receivers. That's the other thing. And you wonder if this is going to convince the Patriots to finally, I guess they did draft Nikhil Harry pretty high, but it doesn't seem like they'll invest in that position. And if you have a quarterback, maybe you do. Yeah. You know, for them to be able to like, imagine if Mac Jones was playing with one of those guys he played with at Alabama, Jerry Judy, uh, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle. Like he doesn't have anything like that where he's playing right now. He doesn't. And I think, I think, so Hunter Henry right now has seven touchdowns. I don't think anybody else has two receiving touchdowns or has three receiving touchdowns. I think there's a couple with two. They just get down there and just pounds it into him because there's literally no other option on that team and nobody is breaking big ones for him. Crazy. All right. Uh, let's move down to number four. Number four, I'm going, uh, oh, Malik Willis. And this is a tough one. He's won, some guys would put him at number one. I think that's honestly true of most of these guys. The, the Sam Howell number one hype is maybe the, the least at this point. Um, I just have doubts about Malik Willis specifically early on. And he's one of those guys who does have the legs. He could be able to make up for some of those problems. But I do think it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, he, he plays quarterback at Liberty. Yeah, Big difference between Liberty and the NFL. And on top of that, there are a couple of games like back-to-back, Middle Tennessee State, and maybe... I don't even think it was Tulane. It was somebody even worse than Tulane. But but two bad teams, back-to-back weeks, he has three interception games. And when you're doing that against those teams, it's just a really bad sign. And I was also pretty low on Trey Lance last year just mm-hmm. because he played FCS football. And maybe I shouldn't have been, but well, I, I do have concerns there. Yeah, I mean, and, and I was really high on Trey Lance mm-hmm. for for honestly some of the same reasons that we just discussed as to as to you know why it's working for certain guys in the NFL. We we don't know what Trey Lance yet. He did not mm-hmm. look spectacular in his limited action, but he made some of the plays that you were going to expect him to make. With Malik Willis, you know, it's funny how you kind of go back and forth and back and forth with these things. The the thing that I wonder for Malik Willis is he's not coming from a powerhouse like Trey Lance did. So the things that we talked about with Trey Lance, which is just everything is so easy for him. He's the biggest, fastest, strongest guy on the field, and he's just running through people with the best offensive line in FCS. Um, What's this going to look like when things get tough on him? I feel the opposite about Malik Willis, where it's what is it going to look like when he has a legitimate offensive line in front of him, when he has legitimate weapons around him, Mm -hmm. and can that elevate him? Now, again, 
it's going to be a process for him. Um, he's going to have a lot to learn, and the speed of the game compared to when you're playing against Middle Tennessee State and when you're playing against the Baltimore Ravens um, is drastic. So one thing I, I always think about with these quarterbacks is where they're playing because in Denver, this is a ruthless town. Um, and I just worry about these guys who I'm like, yeah, that's a project. If they're ever going to be able to uh, survive that beginning where they're throwing all these picks and losing games and, you know, mm-hmm. like, like look what hap- what's happening to Zach Wilson in New York. You know, it's a similar place where they're just ruthless out there. I worry about his confidence just because, like, I, I – I haven't seen this specifically. I guarantee you there's Jets fans out there saying, like, move on from Zach Wilson. Uh, Mike White's our guy. For sure. I'm, I'm sure there's people saying dumb stuff like that. Um, and here there absolutely would be. The standards are really high. And he's there, – there's so many different ways you can look at what he's done. Where it's like 20, 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. It's a decent number. Those nine interceptions have come in three games. So there's a lot of games where he's not turning the ball over at all, but there's these games where he just blows up, and you're thinking, what are you doing? And the Ole Miss game was just so unfair. Um, like okay. I that that was the most I've watched Malik Willis, and I wish it wasn't because I just like within like two drives, I was like, well, this is dumb. Like there's kids <laughs> on the offensive line trying to block grown men, and he's trying to make everything happen himself, and it's just not fair. Yeah, and then it's tough. Like, how do you put that in perspective? Like, obviously, that offensive line is just getting torched in that game, like they should when they're playing an SEC opponent. But you have to remember that he's only played, for the most part, um, so what, he played Mississippi, uh, he played Syracuse, which is a Power 5, but not anything special as a Power 5. But everybody else that that team has played has been comparable to the talent that we saw on that offensive line. You know, those defenses, everything has looked a lot like that. And so you're asking him to take a really big step up when he goes to the NFL. He is electric with his legs at the same time. 200-yard rushing games. Sam Howell has five of those against better defenses. And does it really matter? No, but when you line those numbers up next to each other, it does make it tough to say this is the guy who you want to bet on for the face of your franchise. It's also worth noting, you know, he's only six foot one. Even Lamar Jackson's like six foot three. The, yeah. the, the size does kind of matter when you're trying to throw from the pocket, which is the next step for him. Who's his comp as an athlete at quarterback? Like, he's not Lamar Jackson. I know a no. lot of people want to put him in that category. He's not. So where did, where would he fall? Probably, I, I think probably pretty similar to Kyler Murray, okay. especially because they're both a, a little bit smaller, a little bit more twitchy. Um, mm-hmm. Not like the Trey Lance, big, fast guy. Definitely not like the Josh Allen, who's more in that Trey Lance sort of mold. But I think right. athletically, he's probably pretty similar to Kyler Murray. But again, when when you're shaking three guys on a run and those three guys are playing for North Texas, yeah. what does it look like when you're playing the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders? And when I loved Kyler, uh, you know, I tried to repeat it over and over again. I didn't love Kyler for his speed. Um I loved mm-hmm. Kyler for his ball placement, uh, you know, yeah. and obviously Malik Willis isn't quite on that uh, plane as a thrower of the football. All right, let's keep it rolling here down to number three. Oh, this is where it gets really tough. I have 
three guys who I think are basically neck and neck. Basically, there's tier one, there's tier two. And honestly, in terms of tiers, they're pretty close. We're going to throw... Let's throw Kenny Pickett here at number three. Um, he's a, he, he was a steady quarterback for a while. Um, he's, he's been starting at Pittsburgh for a long time. Um, he's a big guy. He hits on some deep balls, has, has a pretty big arm, um, not all that athletic. If you're looking for a comp, maybe not quite Ben Roethlisberger, but maybe sort of in, in that mold. I think Pittsburgh certainly helps, but uh, he, he avoids turnovers. He's hit some big plays. I think he had another big week last week. Um, I'll check on that in a second. But he's, he's just looked like potentially the, the best quarterback in the country so far this season. And, yeah, what? It was 25 of 44, 346 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Like, he's just carrying this team. Um, typically throwing at least 35 times a game. He's thrown at least 44 times in each of the last three games. Um, gets some Joe Burrow comps, maybe not mm-hmm. quite as strong of an arm. Um, obviously not looking like a national title contender at this point at Pitt, um, but right. 32 touchdowns, four interceptions to this point. He's he's a he's a field general, a big dude with a with a pretty big arm. Not like massive arm, but but a pretty big arm. It's a really interesting one. Would you say, and you'll know exactly why I'm asking this when I ask it, would you say mm-hmm. of all these guys he's the most like Kirk Cousins? Ooh. Yeah, I think I probably would. Um, yeah. We'll get to another guy who's similar to Kirk Cousins in a second, but but yeah, I'd, I'd give Kenny Pickett that nod. <laughs> the, <laughs> the superlative of most similar to Ooh. Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, that, that's what I thought when I was watching him. Um, because that's the other thing you think about is who who is George Payton going to like. Um, and I don't necessarily know the answer to that. We don't know enough about George Payton yet, but we can look at decisions that were made, of course, in Minnesota, which he had a hand in at the very least. Now, there's always the case that he could have been saying, hey, look, I don't think we should sign Kirk Cousins for $40 million a year or whatever it was, $30 million a year, all guaranteed. Um, but you generally think that he was on the same page with his guy up there. And I just, I wonder if that's the type of quarterback he likes, because you mentioned Joe Burrow and like, I think Joe Burrow at his best is like a rich man's Kirk cousins. Yeah. I I think that that's fair, but, but who, who would be your NFL comp for a rich man's Kirk cousins? Like, is that, is that Phillip rivers? Is no, that there's a little more mobility? <clears throat> Rich man's Kirk Cousins in the NFL. That's really tough. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is Joe Burrow already. <laughs> maybe it's already just Joe Burrow. But yeah, I mean, I think you can win with that type of quarterback. I mean, Kirk Cousins kind of that dividing line, though, right? Like, you just need to be better than Kirk Cousins. And if you're better than Kirk Cousins, you are a, a Super Bowl contender if you build a team around him. With Kirk Cousins, though, you're, you're still probably winning in spite of him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Kirk Cousins is so weird. Um, maybe, no, I was going to say maybe Matt Stafford. Um, yeah, but he's another rich- tough one because he's just been buried in Detroit for forever. Oh, I know, he, I know. Yeah, I, that might be it. Um, Justin like, Herbert, 
but that's like I think he's more in the Josh Allen mold. Yeah, he's like pre-rich man's Kirk Cousins if it happens. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is playing like a rich man's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I don't even know because, and you can't say like Peyton Manning because nope. Peyton just like he's he's too cerebral to to be fitting into that mold. But really, but like, I mean, that's the question for those guys. Right, right, at the right. end of the day, can you get up there and just pick a matchup and keep the offense on track? And and I think that's just part of quarterback in general, right? Is it, Unless you're one of the guys who's smart enough to go win games, it just doesn't really matter. And I, I do think that that might kind of be the issue with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, I think there's – it's so weird. There's a lot of quarterbacks in history that are just like, what what is what is holding them back from being great? There's nothing you can specifically point to on Kirk Cousins. In in fact, when you look at the numbers that Kirk Cousins puts up, you would think this guy is a great quarterback. Yeah, there's a, he's missing some little thing. I know that um, he like has bad a bad record in primetime games. Um, so like maybe it's just a clutch factor that he's missing. Um, but. Which, again, could be like the ability to go to the line, see what's happening, pick a matchup, and keep the sticks moving. I'll say this. If you took the number and the name off of the back of Kirk Cousins' jersey and you put, like, a visor on him and you suited him up for the Broncos this weekend, everyone would love him. And if you and if you said, True. this guy's a rookie and he's your quarterback, like everyone would love him even more. It's like a rich man's Kyle Orton. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Uh, all right, I want to get to your top two, but first I want to shout out the DNVR bar. If you guys haven't come down, got a Nuggets game tonight uh, and tomorrow night. Of course, they just keep throwing the Nuggets on back-to-backs for no reason. doesn't matter. It's always fun at the DNVR bar. You can come down, watch Nikola Jokic, get yourself a member-sized beer, get yourself one of those Hassle Cattle burgers. And, of course, you can also get yourself many, many Breck brews. I believe we have eight Breck brews on tap, but that might that almost feels a little low. Um, so come down to the DNVR bar and also get in on that damn good beer from Breckenridge Brewery. It's the official beer of DNVR. It's the best beer in the world. Uh, and it's something that we consume um, a lot. Right, Henry? Yeah, well, I have been drinking so much of that recently. <laughs> so much of that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, of course, they also have the Seltzers, too, if that's your game. So check out mm-hmm. uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Get you some damn good beers. And finally, shout out to Manscaped. You got to have Manscaped. There's so many different things you got to have for Manscaped. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big, like, brand loyalty guy. Once a brand has me, they have me. And Manscaped has definitely become one of those. I'm, like, I'm u- of course, using the Lawnmower 4.0. I'm using all of their... Um, I don't know what you call those concoctions in terms of the crop preserver, the crop reviver. They even have like a foot odor spray that you can spray in your shoes. That helps. Um, And then I'm now in on their brand new body wash and shampoo and conditioner. Uh, And and I love it all. It's all really good stuff. Uh, The shampoo and conditioner combo leaves your hair nice and silky smooth. That body wash is great. Comes in sweet package. Uh, and, and if you want a sweet package, you got to hit up our friends over at Manscaped. Use that code DNVR for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code DNVR. All right, Henry, we're moving on here to number two. This is uh, going to be a telling, you know, it's like in, uh, in, in when they're giving out like the medals 
Once you know who has the silver, you know who has the gold. I I think so, yeah. Um, I guess you also just going... see them standing on the podium and you know who's the highest. It does help. It definitely does help. Um, we're going Matt Corral. He oh, uh, he's a playmaker. He just he's he's kind of electric. Also similar similar to Baker Mayfield. I think that's the easy comp for this kind of guy, where it's like mm. he's going to find a way to get you back into the game. He's he's mobile. And on top of being mobile, like he's shifty too. He isn't a Malik Willis type of athlete, but he's in that vein a little bit. And in particular, like he's a gritty runner. Um, still fast too. What's what's he listed at here? Six one two oh five, like a little bit undersized. I think I've seen him listed six two as well. Um, but yeah, uh the old miss quarterback. I'm not sure if we've said that yet, but Again, there's questions with all these guys. I think that he's shown enough with his arm um, that, that you're excited about it. Um, again, not not one of these just big arm quarterbacks. Like he's not Josh Allen or Mahomes, but he has hit some tight windows. In particular, he hits tight windows when he has a chance to kind of like crow hop up in the pocket a bit and just pound one in there. And when you see it, he kind of does have um, kind of kind of like that former baseball player vibe, uh, like Ky- Kyler Murray who's a former baseball player. Um, who else? There's another big one in the league. Oh, Mahomes. But but yep. just kind of those like whippy type of arms. And he definitely has that, although I'm not sure I give him like elite arm strength. Arm strength um, obviously comes out of kind of a, a gimmicky offense, a lot of RPOs, a lot of easy, re- easy reads. And I think that's probably the big question with him um, is just – you wouldn't you would never describe him as clinical and at some point you know that that's the first three quarters of the game it's the fourth quarter he I, I think maybe has the fourth quarter covered if that arm plays up if he can actually make those plays they make to the college level in the NFL um, the question is can he get himself to that point in the game um I, I, I like him better as a prospect probably than drew Locke. But I think Drew maybe had some of those similar concerns. Um, not not quite as much wiggle, not quite as shifty of an athlete, though. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good rundown. So I really like um, watching these guys execute RPOs in college because that is starting to translate to the NFL. True. You know, I think um, I think when we first really started noticing it was with Carson Wentz and the Eagles during that season when he was probably going to end up being the MVP. Um, And it's become like a really important part of of NFL offense. And I'm hoping that the next offensive coordinator for the Broncos, whether that is the new head coach um, or someone who replaces Pat Shermer, depending on how the rest of the season goes, um, I'm hoping that they focus on on those types of things. There's nothing, you know – we talk about easy reads. There's nothing wrong with easy reads. In fact, there's everything right with easy reads. And that's one of my biggest problems with the Broncos offense is it doesn't create a lot of easy reads. It doesn't create a lot of easy yards. Uh, and I think that of these quarterbacks, and you can correct me if you disagree, Corral is probably the best um, in, in the RPO game. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the case. Um, I mean, he's playing with Lane Kiffin down there. It's what they do. Um, yep. I will say though, like, I, I by the way, imagine... it was also what Sark and Mac Jones was do were doing basically the entire last season. There was a lot of that for sure. Um, 
Peyton Manning, if he were in the NFL, I don't think he'd be running RPOs. I think he'd want to be up there dictating everything, picking things apart. I think, you know, Tom Brady's kind of in that vein. And I wonder if there's like a, a, a ceiling to maybe, maybe not a ceiling to what an RPO can do, but a ceiling to what a, a quarterback can do in an RPO offense. It just takes a little bit of the control out of the way where if you look up and you see something and say, Hey, we just got to clear this guy out and bring this guy in behind. He's going to be wide open. That sort of stuff kind of goes away and you wind up needing one of these guys to make a play. It's tough to stop, but I, I think that, you know, those more traditional offenses have a higher ceiling while the RPO can maybe raise the floor a little bit of an offense, give you some of these easy reads. Yeah, I think that's true. But again, so much of playing quarterback in the NFL is about survival. Um, And making things easy on young quarterbacks, to me, is completely the way. Now, again, there are some of these younger guys like a Mac Jones, like a Joe Burrow, who can look out there and say, here's what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Here's what I need to be looking at. So you do that, you do that. It's so rare, though. Um, And, you know, it's a in hindsight, it's a it's a good reason why you were so high on Mac Jones um, because that ability is so rare in young quarterbacks. For me, it's just like, I'm cool if, uh, if Matt Corral, you know, just for, for example, starts figuring that type of stuff out on his second contract. The, the thing is yeah. you have to get to the second contract, you know, yeah. and if you get a rookie quarterback, if you get a young quarterback to the second contract, you've won um, most likely, unless you're, you know, you you make a bad decision on that. But to me, it's like, okay, like, look at, you know, the, the way that Josh Allen is now, you know, considered one of the top five quarterbacks in football. Mm-hmm. He just survived. Um, survival is, is so important, and I think anything an offense can do to help that. And I think if you understand how to read RPOs, you're going to, you're going to help your survival rate if, co- if your coach will actually call them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing with Matt Corral is he's just a little bit small. And yep. I think that maybe the inability to just easily pound the ball 20 yards downfield on the sideline, you know, those Justin Herbert type of throws where he just gets it there on a laser. Those are, those are not quite there. Um, but again, he, he's decent picking you apart underneath in part because of that offense. Solid. Also, I forgot to say this when we were talking about Kenny Pickett, but he just has tiny hands and he uses, he's a, he's a two glove quarterback with a, with a college ball. And you do kind of wonder, is, is that going to cause some issues when the, when the ball gets just a little bit bigger? I can't do another two-glove quarterback, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest. And, um, and I weighted that too much in these rankings, probably. Potentially. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't care less about hand size, but mm-hmm. the, the two-glove thing. It sounds like we might need... be talking about historically small, though. Right, right. <laughs> It's tough. it's tough to have that out there in the public. Um, it's like, imagine if someone was like, wow, this, look at this guy. He's got historically small hands. I know. Wouldn't that be awful? Like, like imagine just getting on Twitter, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Ha, ha, ha. Look at these tiny hands that Joe Burrow has. Like, what would that even do to your confidence? It'd just be so annoying. That's rough. That is pretty rough. Okay, that brings us to number one. As of right now, I've got Carson Strong there, the Nevada quarterback. Um, 
again, this is all subject to change. You know, we didn't mention Desmond Ritter, who I think there's a chance he winds up being the top quarterback in this draft, but there's just so many of these guys and such little separation. As of right now, though, I think Carson Strong is the best one. Um, You talk about, like, clinical, that's that's him. He completed 70% of his passes, over 70% of his passes last year. He's actually beating last year's completion percentage this year. 27 touchdowns, four interceptions last year, 28 and seven so far this year. He puts up big passing numbers as well. It's an offense that leans on him a lot. Um, he's got a big arm. He, he's a big dude. He's 6'4, 215, but like a real 6'4. Sometimes these guys get a bump, but like I, I think they could get away with listing him like 6'5, 6'6. And people would be like, eh, I don't know if that's, that's quite true. But, but it's, you know, it's that kind of guy who you're just, he's big, he's strong. Um, I brought this up on the draft podcast, whether he has like some Justin Herbert type of vibes just because of that size and the size of the arm and how easy it makes things for him. Um, nobody agreed with me. Very but... little athleticism to go along with it. Exactly. And that's kind of the big piece that's missing for him. Um, and obviously he's doing all this at Nevada. And on top of that, he has uh, like Romeo Dubs, the receiver who's crazy fast and gets open deep and makes those deep balls easy for him. He's probably a second round draft pick. Who knows? Again, it, receivers, it's going to depend all on the 40 times because there's so many that are in It's similar to quarterback, except the receivers are better. Um, he's also playing in the air raid, which used to be mm-hmm. a uh, knock on quarterbacks until Patrick Mahomes came along. Yep, for sure. For sure. And so I think that you just look at him and he's pretty polished. Um, he has a big enough arm that you can say he can do whatever he's going to need to do in the passing game. He's been really good on these like underneath throws, working guys open. I mean, the the 70% completion percentage over the course of two years is something that you look at. And then you just remember he's playing mountain West teams. He probably does have a talent advantage outside. And so those are kind of the concerns. Plus he's not that much of an athlete and he looks a lot like drew lock. Like, when you just yeah. see him on the sideline, he really looks like Drew Locke. And, again, I, I'm a Drew guy. I want to see Drew play more. I think he didn't get a fair shake. Also, if you're drafting a quarterback, I don't want somebody like Drew Locke again. I just change things up a little bit. Yeah, I will say this. He doesn't play. He doesn't look like Drew Locke when he plays. Um, True. To me, at least. He, when I watch him play, and I, you know, if you took the uniforms away, and just showed me him throw the ball, I would say that that looks like an NFL quarterback um, yep. to me. And, and I think I might be with you um, if, if I was forced to rank them right now, but that's mostly just because of that feel. Again, I haven't gone through and, you know, really mm-hmm. like grinded tape on these guys yet. Um, but when I watch him throw the ball, I'm like, oh, that's an NFL arm. That's an NFL spiral. And that mm-hmm. thing is getting on receivers at NFL speeds. Um, now again, the, the chances are he is most likely not going to be playing in the air raid when he gets to the NFL. So he's going to have to, right. So (laughs) he's going to have to change, uh, you know, he's gonna have to learn a new offense. Um, and he's going to have to diagnose things a little more. He's going to have to get under center a little more. There's all those concerns that come with a guy like Carson strong, but again, he, when he throws the ball, I'm like, okay, that is NFL. Those are NFL caliber throws. That looks like it comes off his hands, like an like a legit NFL quarterback. And I think he probably has 
an even bigger arm than Drew Locke. You said he has a good arm. Oh, yeah. I think he has an elite arm. I do too. Um, and it just is unfortunate because it feels, it almost feels like you're like scouting in Madden here. Right. And it's like arm strength, elite athleticism, <laughs> poor. And you're just like, Oh, is it like, am I going to need to break the pocket a lot? Um, and again, you know, you, you also think about offensive line play when you think about a guy like Carson Strong. It's like, okay, well, if you get him, you better protect him and you better protect him well because he's not getting out of the pocket and making plays for you out there. Totally, totally. But, I mean, it, if, if you're really a Super Bowl contender, you've got a good offensive line. Yep. You know, and that's what it comes down to is, yeah, you got to have the pieces around him. You're going to have to have the pieces if you're going to go win games. I mean, even look at the Chiefs at this point. They don't have enough pieces to help Patrick Mahomes, and that's the best quarterback alive. So I've got – I think Carson Strong is my number one. I also think there's a chance that if the draft were to happen today, he's available in the second round because who knows? Maybe Malik Willis is the first off the board. They're, all of these guys are so close in the rankings for just about everybody, and everybody has them in different orders with – kind of the general consensus being that they aren't that special of a group that I do think that at least one of these top three guys, they're probably there when the Broncos pick in the second round. And still to me, like I I love the idea of you have your guy, you go get your guy, but also there's some really good football players in this draft and you could get a decent quarterback who has probably as good a shot of making it as any of the others in the second round. Right. If you want, you can, um, this is a name that's been coming up lately, but I just want to confirm here. Uh, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, he's not eligible this year, is he? He's eligible, but he, we don't know if he's going to. Oh, right, to because he's only a sophomore, but last year counts Yep. for NFL, not for college eligibility. Okay, exactly. And so he's he's the Wake Forest quarterback. Um, again, nobody was talking about him before the season. That's true of a lot of these guys. Um, but but maybe maybe not the biggest arm, a little bit undersized. But he's been making things work. Um, I don't have the numbers for him in front of me right now, but he's been really efficient. I think Wake Forest has only lost one, maybe two games, which is pretty incredible for Wake Forest. Um, so I've got the numbers for you. They're pretty impressive. I bet. Um, He's over 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, he's fifth in, in college football in QBR. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what his completion percentage is. It's not popping up right off the top. Uh, 2021, he's completing 60% of his passes, um, so nowhere near Carson Strong, uh, and 160 college quarterback rating. So he's uh, he's definitely doing some impressive stuff. Definitely. And again, he's somebody who's gotten himself into this conversation. You know, I don't think he would be like in contention for the first quarterback off the board. But when we talk about like there's these five guys, the five we named, they're going to be somewhere in this like top seven, top eight, probably that get drafted. But then you've got guys like Sam Hartman who could go come out. Um, You've got uh, you've got Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. He might be a college football playoff quarterback and he's mm-hmm. been efficient. And the, the, my issue with him is just that he's there's nothing that he's special at. Like he's got a solid arm. He's pretty accurate. He is fairly smart. He's fairly good in the the clinical regard, fairly athletic. 
fairly big, but there's just nothing that really separates him. And some guys see that and say like, oh, wow, well, at least he's well-rounded. We can bump him up, especially in this class. It's like, why? What do you, what do you get excited about if you draft him? Maybe it's just the fact he got Cincinnati to the college football playoff or could potentially. Right. Yeah. It, it, th- those are always tough because I'm I'm a big believer of like, if you draft someone in the first round, you better see a extremely high ceiling for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and without elite traits, it's difficult to envision that world. Yep. For sure. And then like, you've also got like Jake Hayner at Fresno state. Who's done some good things and has he's, solid he's an tools. awesome college quarterback, but there's a lot of guys like him before him that were just, just awesome college quarterbacks. Yeah. Decision making there, you know, Jaden Daniels, I think he's probably a candidate to transfer more likely than uh, to go to the NFL. But wow. I mean, again, if, if he goes, if he decides he wants to go to the draft, goes to the combine, he's somebody who could run the four, four flat. And then you say, well, why are we not taking him? Um, you've got uh, Spencer Rattler who he'd have to probably get on the field, but, but, if, if he plays somehow these last couple games, they subbed him back in the second half and he looks good. Maybe you're talking about him as a second rounder. I still think he's a guy who's probably just going to transfer instead. Um, there's, I know that we're really deep in this college football season, but with this quarterback class, it's, it's still just wide, wide open. All right. So let's tie a bow on this conversation as someone with a, a wealth of knowledge about these quarterbacks. Do you want the Broncos to use their first round pick on one of these guys? As of today, no. Mm-hmm. As of today, no. And and I do think that the biggest need on the team is quarterback, and you've got to do whatever you can to fix the quarterback position. But like I said, I, the, the difference between the top of this group and the bottom of this group, just not that big at this point. Um, and the other thing is, you look through draft history, um, in the past like 15, 20 years or so, I think only twice has a team drafted a quarterback in the first round and then drafted another quarterback in the first round again the year after or the year after that. And that happened, I think it was after Johnny Manziel and the Browns and then Josh Rosen um, before Kyler Murray was the number one pick last year. Every other team has, if they took a quarterback in, in 2022, which is this next draft, they never took one 2023 or 24 tried again in 25 and do any of these guys make you think we want to tie the next three years to them? No. And so that's why I say, see who's available in the second round. It might be your favorite guy anyway. And if not, it's probably somebody who's not that far behind. See if they pop because there's a chance one of these guys will pop. None of you, none of them have really made it obvious that they will. And if they don't, then you didn't invest so much that you can't try again next year and hope that it's a better class. Yeah, my like the best case I can give for why the Broncos should draft one of these quarterbacks is that they're due for some quarterback draft luck. Because someone here is yeah. gonna end up being really good. For um, sure. you know, that's just what the law of averages tells us. I think that's what the law of averages is. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> some <laughs> it, it tells the data tells us one of these guys is going to be good. The Broncos are no one is more due for draft quarterback draft luck than the Denver Broncos, but that's not an actual reason um, to go mm-hmm. make a pick. So, I mean, I guess 
you know, maybe they deserve draft luck beyond the first round. Maybe they take a second round pick and end up with Russell Wilson, or maybe they take a, you know, a fourth round pick and end up with Dak. Wasn't Dak a fourth? Yeah. I, yeah. Kirk Cousins a second as well. Is he fourth? I think, I think he was the fourth. He might have been fourth. Yeah. I know that the history on second round quarterbacks isn't great. It's really bad. But I, I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I mean, it just it the the thing for me, and this is um an interesting path to go down. Mm-hmm. But the thing for me of why you don't draft a quarterback in the second round is exactly what we're seeing with Drew Locke right now. Um, the Broncos were never committed to Drew Locke, mm-hmm. you know, more than a second round pick, one of their two second round picks that year, mm-hmm. and so they don't feel any, uh, they aren't compelled in any way to try to make it work for him, it's just as easy to trade a sixth-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater and and put him on the bench after, you know, 18 career starts or whatever it was. And that leads to, you know, everyone saying this guy didn't get a fair shake. And to be fair, he didn't in terms of the way that a first-round quarterback would be treated. Um, and for what it's worth, John Elway valued him as a first-round quarterback. Um, he was kind of talked out of drafting him in the first round. And then when he was still there in the second round, he was like, okay, well now I'm getting this guy. Um, and if he was a first round pick, there's absolutely no way Teddy Bridgewater would be starting right now. Totally. Totally. But, and you look at, I mean, is that how you want to approach this draft class? Because it's kind of how I think they should approach that, this draft class. You know, I don't think that they should, look at one of these guys and say, this is our future. We are building this team to fit what this player does best. And and we're going to give him three years to see what happens. I think it's better just to say, Hey, let's take one in the second round, maybe even take another in the third or fourth round. You have so many picks Hmm. there. If you say like, I, we, we kind of like Malik Willis. Um, We, we do like Carson strong. You get the second round and Carson strong's there for some reason, the league cools on Malik Willis because he came from Liberty or whatever. You can grab him with your second, third round pick. Maybe you say, screw it. Let's, let's try two of them. Like I, you... I have no issue with that. No, no, no. No. Well, I'm of what's going to happen if they draft a guy in the second round. They're going to be half committed to him. People are going to fall in love with him because he had like a 400-yard game or something. Like Carson mm-hmm. Strong like went off on the Texans um, and then they're, you know, they're going to have some opportunity to get like a Kirk cousins and they're going to go get Kirk cousins. And like, those, those are the things that happen when you don't draft a quarterback in the first round, unless of course they turn out to just be Russell Wilson and they dominate the preseason so much that you bench your quarterback that you're paying like 16 million, which was a lot at the time in Matt Flynn. And you're just like, okay, we're just rolling with this guy. That's again, that's luck. Um, but the Broncos are due for some luck. Broncos are due for some luck. And I mean, quarterbacks are always a lottery ticket. Like what one in three first round quarterbacks winds up being somebody that you want to build your franchise around. Out of this like seven or eight guys, probably let's call it eight guys. You probably get two of those with, I'd say probably one is more likely than three take a sh- take a shot but don't don't invest too much in a lottery ticket and just keep your options open for the next year. I know it sounds awful because this has been going on so long, but you just got to you, you got to know where the value is and the value is not in this year's draft class. At I least as of right it, now, all of this could change. 
if I could get George Payton to promise that he would say at some point, like, us drafting so-and-so in the second and so-and-so in the third does not preclude us from drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. Like, that would <laughs> that would give me solace. Um, all right. This has been good. Let's uh, circle back to the questions here in a second. Uh, mm-hmm. But first, a shout-out to Snooze Sleep and their Snooze Flip 4-in-1 mattress. Been sleeping on this thing for a couple of months now and cannot say enough good things about the snooze flip. Why is it a four in one mattress? Because you've got warm, you got a warm side, or sorry, you've got a, yeah, you've got a warm side of the cover. You've got a cool side of the cover. You've got a soft side of the mattress. You've got a firm side of the mattress. You can mix and match any of those things uh, and create the perfect mattress for you. And, uh, you know, they came to us because they love DNVR. You love DNVR. Um, they've really taken great care of us and you can get great deals on a snooze mattress when you use the code dnvr that's 500 dollars on an adjustable base uh queen mattress and savings and you can save up to a thousand dollars on an adjustable base dual split king so check out snoozesleep.com and get your snooze flip mattress that's snoozesleep.com get your snooze flip delivered straight to your door happy sleeping fam don't go to sleep right now just because we have one more segment left uh and also got to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings sportsbook Quickly on DraftKings Sportsbook, Hank, did you see the MVP odds for Nikola Jokic? No. I mean, are they like minus 200? Not yet. Uh, So earlier this week, uh, I told people, this is going to be your last chance to get in on plus 1,500. It's just not going to stay here. Like, you got to go now. A day later, it was down to plus 1,300. Yesterday, it was down to plus 1,100. Today... It's all the way down to plus 850. Three days to go from plus 1,500 to plus 850. Uh, people are starting to catch on, and uh, and DraftKings Sportsbook is, is going to – it's only a matter of time before he's down to, like, plus 200. The I mean, the only thing working against him is that he was the MVP last year, yeah. which is a crazy thing that that can work against you. The fact that you have a history of winning the MVP award, the voter fatigue and all that, they want different. I, I think that sometimes that might get overrated too, or maybe the voters are just bad. Look at the man. He's the best basketball player alive. The two other max players on the team don't, they aren't playing. Like this is the perfect situation for somebody to win the MVP. It's, it's going to happen again. He is the best player and he's going to be the best player every game. I know Steph Curry, he's been really good. Yeah, he's been really good. He's going to go through a week where he shoots 10% from three, and that's going to bring his season average down to what it always is. Jokic is going to be in front of him. No, everybody else. He will not have that week. He will not have a week. Yes, every player in basketball has a bad week, not bad three game stretch. It'll happen. It'll happen. He's going to get pulled for one week, and Jokic is just going to power through the entire season, putting up 28, 12, and six every single night. Just to put this into perspective for football fans who don't necessarily follow basketball, this is essentially as if Patrick Mahomes lost Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and was still just putting up ridiculous numbers and, you know, carving up everyone. Exactly. He's and incredible. It might even be more than that because, of course, you still have eight other players on the field. Like, Jokic is supposed to be one of three stars on the court at all, at all times. He, right now, he's just one of 
one star on the quarter all time. Okay, anyways, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you can bet $1 to win $100 in free bets. If the game that you bet on has a point scored in it, one single point, I've done it before, I'll do it again, I will stake $1 million of my own dollars that there will be no 0-0 ties in the NFL this week. Um, it's just not going to happen. I'm that confident. And if you bet this and you can prove it, and that game ends in a 0-0 tie, I will give you a million dollars. That's a promise from me. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get $1 to win $100 in free bets if the game you bet on scores one single point. Um, of course, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And finally, the American Raptors. Uh, they're on the ground in Montevideo, Uruguay. For a two-week tour, uh, including matches, scrimmages. And guess what? Our guy, Colton Strickler, DNVR Rugby, is also on the ground with them. Um, nice little trip for him there. Sorry uh, that you didn't get the same treatment going to the British Virgin Islands, Henry, for the Buffs game. But, you know, things are a little different for uh, Colton over there. Uh, it's a new rebrand uh, on the rugby team, but they're still over at Infinity Park. Make sure you check them out. It's a really cool project they're doing, taking – Really good athletes from other sports that didn't quite make it at the highest level, bringing them into rugby, trying to help them make Team USA uh, to hopefully win a Rugby World Cup or a gold medal one day. So check out the American Raptors over at Infinity Park Glendale. You have any thoughts on uh, not going to the British Virgin Islands? I think that I'm lucky because I get to watch the Colorado Buffaloes play a football game on Saturday. Good for me, right? Instead of being off on an island with that basketball team. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Folsom Folsom Field, maybe the only place I'd rather be than an island. Yeah, I'm, I might have to disagree with you on that one, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but I, I, I can see why. Fair enough, fair enough, I'll take it. All right, Henry, let me pull up the comments here really quick, um, and we will get into the questions from our great listeners. Actually, a pretty light slate today, so this is going to oh, be no. a quick a quick little segment here. Um, it's the it's the old bi week blues. You know, people not quite as uh not quite as not as many pressing questions surrounding the Broncos right now. Okay. Let's go here to our first one. And it comes in from Mile High Buckeye. My guys, Mace was right on Tuesday. The game against the Cowboys gave people hope, myself included. And the game against the Eagles broke a lot of people, myself included. I want to believe just wanted to say that discovering the pod this year was the best thing that could have happened. You guys have made the season more enjoyable for me and make my work days better. Flying out and doing the party bus slash tailgate during week four was one of the best experiences I've ever had for a sporting event. I'm definitely planning on making that an annual trip. Cheers, fellas. Love you guys, Alex. Yeah. Uh, the tailgate has become uh, an elite part of Sundays. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I because I'm usually still pretty drunk from the tailgate, the the, the TV show. show, the YouTube show, whatever we call those. But uh, I get there and it's like showing up to a carnival. Like because <laughs> the alcohol gets you in like that that mindset where mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, everything is fun. You're on like the bus with all the the Bronco fans and you get over there and there's just games everywhere and free pizza and garlic knots and it's it's a uh, it's it's a great time pretty great we've only got a few more left um so if you guys are coming down make sure you get your tickets uh mm -hmm. to the tailgate those will go on sale here sometime soon for that chargers game all right next one here 
from Mrs. Quill. Does Vic's motto of we have to keep doing what we're doing, but better <laughs> make you guys as ticked off as it does me. You have to make changes in order to receive a better outcome. But he just laughs at any media questions about considering any. Yeah, I mean, obviously he, you know, just tosses away anything about firing Pat Shermer or firing um, uh, Tom McMahon. Mm -hmm. But I will say this in his defense of not firing these guys. You saw what happened on Sunday when uh, it was basically a test run of what happens when Pat Shermer gets fired. Mike Shula steps in and... I'll tell you this. There are people in the organization who were very upset about the way that game was called. Um, like more than I've normally heard. Now, maybe that's because it's easier to be mad at the substitute teacher than it is the guy that you're employing to work that job. But there is no way Pat Shermer's getting fired in the season now um, because you just saw what his backup does. And, and this is something that I try to explain to fans when it comes to players. Like, they're not playing a guy. If a guy's backup is better than him, he would be playing. And if Vic Fangio thought Mike Shula would do a better job than Pat Shermer, he would do it. But he doesn't think that. And on Sunday, we got a little preview of why he doesn't feel that way. And and it probably was a nice – like, if the Broncos went out there and scored 35 points and won that game, they might have fired Pat Shermer. But they scored 13 points and they got blown out. Yep. And just to build off of that, like, the backup player thing – you know, it's something that they talk about or talked about earlier in the season a lot at CU, which is just identifying talent. Not not like in recruiting or like transfer, but, but like on your own team, figuring out who your own best players are. And that is a lot harder than I think people give it credit for. I think it's easier maybe in the NFL just because there's more tape on, on so many different guys. Um, but I do think that... Preseason games too. Exactly. Like you do have more opportunities still. This was your chance to see what is our talent like in terms of our, we can call them like backup offensive coaches. It's like, yeah, the, the top of the list guy didn't do all that great. So I don't think there's changes. And the other thing is like when he's saying we, we just need to do what we're doing and do it better. We've seen that the execution and just the ability to, to do your job well has not come consistently. There's games like the Cowboys game where everybody just does what they're supposed to do and it works. And again, you can put a lack of execution on the coaches, the players. There's all sorts of people to blame and probably a lot of it does go on the coaches. But I think that there is something to the fact that they have really just not played well in some of these games. There's just a total lack of consistency from, I mean, honestly, most of the team. Yeah, and the other thing is, once you've gone into a season, once a season has begun, a lot of changes, it's too late to make them. Like, mm-hmm. like you have the guys that you have. You know, you thought you signed up the best secondary in football, and they might not even be good. Um, now, again, it's not necessarily anyone's specific fault, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they aren't clicking. Um, you are not getting what you paid for in that secondary. There's so not a lot you can Soft zone coverage because of it. Right, exactly. And there's not a lot of – and they even tried, like, going a decent amount of man last week, and guys were getting beaten man. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it, – it, there's not a lot you can do is essentially what I'm saying. You can't change, your, you know, uh, much about your scheme, your offense. You know, you spent an entire training camp installing that offense. 
course. Can you make little changes? And over time, maybe over the course of a season, you can make those changes. But it's it's almost non-existent to find a coach who changed the offense through as the season went on and by the end of the season was playing a totally different offense. The examples are like when Tim Tebow came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, you didn't have a choice. Um, and then the other one would maybe be like Lamar Jackson replacing uh, Joe Flacco, you know, and, and it worked out great. But there's a very, very small uh, percentage of coaches who change their offensive scheme throughout the season. Little changes, sure. And the Broncos have tried to make little changes that, that aren't as noticeable. They just don't work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what you do is you, you install five new plays, six new plays, whatever it is each week to to be part of that week's game plan. And you hold on to a couple of them if you want to make changes. Um, but there's like you said, there's only so much you can do schematically. And I think we I mean, we've seen some different things from this offense, right? Like they're they're very willing to go five wide, even when you're not in a third down. Um, they're they're very willing to go heavy. Um, regardless of situations. And you see some of that versatility. The thing is, they just can't get anything to work consistently. You know, the running game, it has gotten a lot better the last few weeks to the point where you say, okay, this actually does look like it's a strength of this team now. You can run the defense efficiently or run the ball efficiently against most defenses. But for a lot of this season, you were not able to run the ball well. Um, you forget like that's how you wind up in these second and longs that set up third and longs is because on first down they were running for one or two yards. So that's getting better. But you've also got the fumbles there Uh, at points. The five wide stuff spreading them out has looked really, really good. But at points, you're thinking, what are you doing? The, The running the ball is working. It just seems like it's week in week out. Something different is working for this team, which is, again, kind of what you want is a well balanced team that allows you to do different things. But it's on the play callers to to come up with a game plan and say, this is what's going to work this week. And when they're able to stop it, this is why they're going to be able to stop it. And that's when we go and do this instead. And and I think that maybe that piece is missing. I think that on the field, they're just not winning with what they're doing enough, in part because of just a lack of execution, specifically on that offensive line for a lot of the season. But, I mean, there's... They, they do need to just play better, and maybe there are some changes they can make too. I mean, there yeah. definitely have to be. Well, and here's the other thing is I just don't think Pat Shermer has a good feel for how to call a game. Um, now, there that's not the only skill of an offensive coordinator. Now, mm-hmm. it's it, it's the part that obviously is the most important, I would argue, yeah. uh, and it definitely is under the spotlight the most, but it is possible that Pat Shermer is very good at designing an offense and very bad at calling an offense. And Mm -hmm. I think there might be some of that at play here. And, you know, when Vic Fangio is looking for his offensive coordinator, he looks at that offense and he's like, oh, this is the kind of offense I want. But there's not really a situation of a guy who uh, designs the offense and doesn't call it. Um, And I think he just lacks the most important skill of an offensive coordinator, which is calling it. For some reason, he doesn't ever call a game that looks like it's flowing you know i talk mm-hmm. about uh, an offense should be telling a story there's a rising action there's a climax you know there's yep. there's all this stuff it doesn't feel like he knows how to build the story throughout a game and for those types of coordinators the way you get past it is having an elite quarterback you know when peyton manning was in denver he was the one calling the offense 
Sure, the the coordinator would say, here's what play we're running. But then he gets out there and says, well, actually, this isn't going to work because of this. Oh, look what they're showing us. This run right here will be open. Or we can scheme this open in this other play. And, and when the quarterback is on the field, what, Peyton probably called 50% of the plays, maybe even more than that from the field. At least. That's yeah. the way around it. And right now, you know, Teddy's just not that guy. And and that's fine if you're working with Sean Payton. Totally. Totally. All right. Next one's from Zen Bronco. My boys, longtime listener, first time commenter. I've been listening since it was still the BSN podcast. And you can finally say, you got me. We got him. I got, got to go him. to my first home game last Sunday, unfortunately, after that performance, especially because the week before I was in Dallas to see our boys beat up on the Cowgirls. One, so do you think regardless of record that there will be a coaching change, not necessarily a head coach, but at least OC and special teams? Because I'm 75% sure that's, that will happen. Some, yes, there will be changes to the coaching staff no matter what. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, it was kind of a tough conversation when the Broncos were sitting there at five and four. You're like, well, if they make the playoffs and who knows what happens, like then do we really want to get stuck with this staff again? You have to remember that if if you do get stuck at this point with these coordinators, it's because they figured something out. Yeah, because they were true. able at this point to go on like a six and whatever stretch to to make the playoffs here. Um, but yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen, there's no reason to think that that's going to happen. And, uh, there's no reason to think those coordinators are going to be around. He goes on too. if so, who do you think they will go for? If there's a head coaching change, I heard a rumor of Dallas's OC. Yeah. I mean, I've actually heard more rumors about Dallas's DC, um, mm -hmm. which is Dan Quinn, um, which does not get me excited. Um, but uh, it, it makes a lot more sense considering the relationship that he has with George Payton. Uh, someone dug up the pro football talk article where Dan Quinn said he was like hoping to follow George Payton wherever he went. Um, so those two definitely have a relationship. They've discussed working together in the past. Like I said, I, I can't handle another defensive minded head coach. Um, but heck, I don't know. Maybe he has some grand plan for, bringing in an exciting offense into this place. Who knows? And again, some of those rumors have included teaming back up with Russell Wilson. If that happens, I've said this once, I've said it a million times, I do not care who is the coach. Um, you could literally bring back Josh McDaniels uh, and make Vance Joseph the assistant head coach. Um, and I'm in as long as Russell Wilson's coming along. Yeah, I agree. And you know what the Kellen Moore stuff? Like what you want is for that guy to be your offensive coordinator. Now, you're obviously not going to be able to just poach him to be the same guy in Denver um, that he is there. But to make him the head coach, that's a real gamble because he's so young and he's done nothing to show that like he know we know he can run an offense when he has Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott and a solid offense. Like there's there's a lot of tools there as well. What I want to see is somebody on the staff or George Payton, somebody go out and hire some offensive coordinator who whose name we probably don't know because he's never done it before, but who can come in and be a Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. And then maybe when the time comes, he becomes a head coach. Now, obviously, you're in a situation where you're going after uh, a head coach more likely than not. Dan Quinn, definitely not all that exciting considering what happened with the Falcons the one time he was a head coach. Um, but, you know, you look at like Brian Dable, from the Bills, I would have a lot of fun if he was the head coach here. 
Um, I think that that would make sense if you're going after a quarterback too, given the success mm-hmm. that he's had with uh, Josh Allen and with uh, and all those Bama quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa. They were all there when he was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. Um, he has a good track record, like uh, the the Ravens with Greg Roman. That's his name, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The offensive coordinator there. I think he would be a lot of fun as a head coach, especially giving him Javante Williams, these receivers, see what he can come up with. Um, if I saw like a full house pistol formation, I would be <laughs> so happy. I know. I know. <laughs> and the thing is like the offensive line has looked a little bit, but maybe not so much this week, but, but before that, that maybe this isn't true, but it just feels like you do something like that. Three of those guys get beat. There's defenders all over the backfield, yeah. and you look like an idiot with, <laughs> yeah. with, with this team right now. So true. That's yeah, the, I mean, like, he's fun. I mean, you know, even going back to Rich Gangarello, like, you know, I see teams call the tight end end around, and it worked for them. Um, but it became a meme in Broncos country because he called it twice, and it went for, like, a total of negative nine yards. And it was just like, look at this idiot. And, I, and like, I just kept being like, ah, I don't know. I like the fact that he's trying stuff. Um, maybe the situation was wrong. The first one was the first play of the season. Um, and the second one was on, like, a really important third and one in enemy territory. So maybe those weren't the right calls, but I just I, we haven't seen anything like that. And you're right that sometimes your creativity is hindered by the fact that you don't have uh, you can't execute a lot of these plays. Anyways, yeah. he, he goes on here and says, thanks for the pod. I really enjoy it. It was great meeting RK at the bar before the night before the game. The pregame was awesome. I for sure wasn't expecting to have my picture put up on DNVR Instagram when I woke up that morning, but that was awesome. Hopefully I can meet the rest of you guys uh, next month when I go back for the Bengals game. Sorry for the long comment. Let's go Broncos. One more thing, just because we were talking about like potential coordinators who we don't even know the names of. I figured I just Googled the, the Saints offensive coaching staff and like their quarterbacks coach, Ronald Curry, like uh six season there. He was uh, the receivers coach with Michael Thomas. All those guys got promoted to quarterbacks coach. He's like still a young guy. Somebody like that, who I don't know if he has what it takes to be an offensive coordinator, but he comes from a good background. He's had success at his position group. He's a young guy who could be next up. If he interviews well, why not? But just find somebody who can run an offense in a fun way. Yeah, I mean, there's there's guys all over here. And I would also be interested in finding guys who have developed quarterbacks like Dable. True. Um, but, like, some guy that you could put – you could – um, promote to offensive coordinator who has a history of developing quarterbacks is Pep Hamilton. Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. obviously was in uh, San Diego, or sorry, Los Angeles with the Chargers with Herbert. Um, he was in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. So, like, there's little things like that that you can look for. And we often get caught up in these big names, and then we get surprised when they don't get hired. So I like your uh, your thought process there of looking a little deeper. All right, final one here from Bumpy Buffalo. Guys, hearing you talk about all these people makes me smile. Please look at my team in comparison to midseason contenders. Half PPR, single QB while we're talking fantasy football here. Um, all right, quarterback Dak, running back one, Joe Mixon, running back two, Jonathan Taylor, wide receiver one, Koopy Cuppy, uh, wide receiver two, Chris Godwin, flex DK Metcalf, tight end Pat Fryermuth, um, kicker Harrison Bucker, defense Packers. Uh, and then he mentions that he also has Derrick Henry on his bench. Um, 
so he he's talking about our midseason awards yesterday. We like we gave a lot of these guys midseason awards. So good on him for putting together that uh, super squad. He says obviously Henry was in most of the season with Mixon flexed, so some sliding. But uh, where would they fall in the midseason awards? Yeah, I mean those guys are right in there in in a lot of the midseason awards. That's pretty crazy that he had. Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor as his RB one and two with Joe Mixon, who I guarantee is a lot of people's RB one in fantasy uh, as his flex. And then had the balls to not trade any of those guys. Did he go running back one, two and three? I mean, he must've, but yeah, I mean to have one of those guys in the flex, assuming it's a PPR where the receivers, unless you really have those three guys, you could probably find a third receiver who's putting up running back numbers to not trade one of those guys. Then just pick up a great receiver is wild. And it worked out with Derrick Henry getting hurt. That's pretty, that is pretty crazy. I want to know how, uh, maybe it's a dynasty league and he just like acquired these guys at the right time. Yeah, maybe. Um, My mind is blown. Great job. Great team. Uh, And great show here, Henry. Appreciate you joining me. This was really fun. Uh, And I think uh, anyone who listens to this has a lot better idea of what this quarterback class looks like. So that was really valuable. Uh, Always appreciate you coming on. Always appreciate the listeners and always appreciate Green Mountain Dental where you can schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, There's so much great stuff over about the people at Green Mountain Dental, including the fact that they're massive Colorado sports fans. You might run into them down at the DNVR bar um, or when you go in to have any work done, you might end up talking Colorado sports which I know is at least what I would want to do when I'm going to the dentist. So check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group and uh, and uh, tell them we sent you. Again, Henry, thank you for joining me, man. Awesome. That's, uh, that's what we do. Listen to the draft pod. We're recording in an hour. Great. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Flying cotton would stick to your lips